Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise be to Allah, the Lord of the Worlds. Over 100 episodes, almost 40 different ethnic backgrounds, living in almost 30 different countries. In just two seasons, the Niqabi Diaries podcast has brought you the stories of Muslim women across the globe. Women united in sisterhood by their commitment to the Deen of Islam. Welcome to season three of the Naqabi Diaries podcast, where, inshallah, we will continue to bring you the stories of the women behind the veil. The Naqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to another episode of the Naqabi Diaries podcast, season three. Jazakallah khair for all the listeners and for everybody's support. Alhamdulillah, we also now have a blog called the Naqabi Diaries. You can check that out in the description box, inshallah. Please support us in the blog as well, where I write about different topics related to not just the Naqab, but Muslim women and Islam as well. So inshallah, we have another guest with us today, Sister Shaida. Um, Sister, could you please introduce yourselves for us and um, please um, tell us a little bit about what you do, inshallah. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Rabbi Shrahli, Sadri, Vestrili, Amri, Wahlin, Uratta, Milisani. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you, first of all, Sister Samar, for having me on your podcast. It's a really wonderful initiative, and I really, really like your podcast. Um, so, my name is Shaida, and I currently live in Malaysia. Um, I'm teaching at a local international school while juggling with my uh, studies, with my, um, I'm doing a uh, master's in English literature. And during my free time, I like to write and I'm also learning a few languages. And um, I am also hosting for uh, this podcast called Museum of Voices. Yeah. Hey, mashallah. Mashallah, so you're a busy lady. Okay, so um, could you could you give us a little bit of information about your Islamic background, and um, you know how you how you grew up, for example, and then how do you come to be wearing the niqab? Okay, so um, I come from a moderately practicing Muslim background, and I'd like to highlight that in Malaysia, being moderate is something that. Everybody is moderate because Islam is so widely practiced here. And um, I began to see that it's something that people began to take for granted because we are born Muslims. So um, moderate, I mean, like everyone wears the hijab, but they are doing the basics. They are not going, they are not um, putting more effort, putting the extra mile to learn about Islam. So I come from that kind of family background. We are just, you know, practicing the basics. Um, but my family did send me to uh, an Islamic school when I was in primary. Uh, so I had the basics. And what made me want to wear the niqab, okay, actually, it, coming from the moderately practicing um, background, it actually really never occurred to me that one day I would wear the niqab. Um, initially, it started when, um, during my Umrah trip with my family in early 2020, I remember the feelings um, the niqab evoked me it gives me a sense of peace, um, some kind of, I feel protected and also empowered. And it was really shocking, you know, to know that um, a piece of cloth can really impact you that much. But then after I completed the Umrah, I, I didn't wear the niqab straight away. It, it, it took me two years to finally 
gather some strength to uh, finally start wearing it. Okay, mashallah. So um, it was your, it was from the experience that you had in the Umrah. That was your first experience with the naqab, wearing it yourself. Yeah. Okay, alhamdulillah. So okay, finally, then you know, you said you came back to your country, and what was it? Do you think that made you like take that step? That yes, I'll definitely want to wear the naqab. Okay, so um, we are living in a modern society where everything is so hypersexualized, right? Mm -hmm. Even wearing the hijab, I feel like it's not really enough because I've encountered um, a lot of blog posts where people post women wearing the hijab, but they sexualized it, you know, and I, I feel utterly disgusted. So I feel like I need to take that extra step to protect myself and to be more modest so i decided to wear the niqab that's that's really one of the first thing that pops up in my mind i i need to um i want to be more modest and i want to do it for allah okay alhamdulillah so what was the first day that you decided to put it on had you prepared beforehand that you was gonna you know did you pick a specific day that you wanted to wear the niqab or and you know did you was it easy for you to buy a niqab as well I think for me it was really spontaneous. I I I never planned uh when to wear it. I just one day I just um because I I had the niqab from the umrah, right? So I I was wearing those. Um so I didn't pick any date. I was talking to a few I was talking to one friend because I wanted to confirm um you know my decision. And she was really supportive alhamdulillah. Um and then I, I never looked back. I just started wearing it and I confronted my family and here I am. Okay, alhamdulillah. So how did your family take it? Was they accepting of the niqab? Uh, I knew actually that they were not very supportive of um, me wearing the niqab because I, I know of their perceptions of it. Um, that is what actually made me... Um, not wear it right after umrah because i know how my family is and i'm the kind of person who really cares about my what my family think i don't exactly care about what other people think mm -hmm. but my family my family's thoughts are really important to me so i contemplated long enough on how to confront and so when i um i didn't wear it yet but when i talked to my mother about wearing it um we had a slight arguments about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand the concern because it's because in their in their perspective, right? Um, niqab is something pure. Like they see it as some something that um, pious people wear it. You know, um, the the women who memorize the Quran, mm. they are the ones who deserve to wear it. You know, uh, and I'm just um, I, yeah, I'm just a you know um, moderately practicing Muslim. Why would I need to wear the niqab? Something like that. Uh, and they said, even though you are learning, um, you are studying is, uh, Islam on your own, do you really need to take that extra step to wear the niqab? I mean, why do you need to be so extreme? They were being like that. Um, and then they will, they will, they are actually worried that I might not be consistent with the niqab. Right. Mm, that is one. Mm, that is one of their concerns as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so generally, then, from what I'm picking up about your family, is that niqab for them is something that they do respect, 
because um, yeah. they see it as something that you know you have to you, you start wearing when you've reached a particular level of like iman or like islamic knowledge basically so because you know That's sometimes right. i talk to sisters and um, some people have a different view of the niqab, which is why they don't want their daughters to wear it. So perhaps they think that it's something that is backwards or it shouldn't be part of the society because it's going to, um, you know, maybe um, inhibit the, 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 you know, the woman's growth or, um, you know, opportunities, basically. It's going to, like, cause a hindrance in her life mm -hmm. in progressing. So in your in your case, it was different. Your, your parents have a different understanding of it. They see it as something it's more, like, revered that um you know so, yeah. so, it's, so it's still something that they respect but that that's why they was you know a bit cautious about you wearing it mashallah that's really really interesting alhamdulillah may allah bless them mashallah alhamdulillah at least they have a uh, good perceptions about the niqab alhamdulillah okay so um what about from the wider community did you find acceptance with that or is it something in like malaysia where people generally have this kind of idea about the niqab like the way your parents see it uh generally in malaysia there um in, from my view i didn't exactly see any um since it's since islam is widely uh practiced right so wearing the niqab is not something uncommon i would say yeah. um but then there are various perceptions it could be good and it also and it could also be bad stereotypes of the niqab i i've actually met people who think the people who wear the niqab are um they think they consider the people who wear the niqab are thinking that they are holier than thou they have that kind of um mindset mm -hmm. um but some people also perceive the people who wear the niqab as someone who is you know they are they respect the people who wear the niqab so there there are various um perceptions by um the regular people in malaysia but generally it's something that um uh not exactly uncommon i think um being a westerner myself um you know a lot of the niqabs that we get are like they're from like malaysia and indonesia these countries so we like often when we're shopping for these things that's where we see like the, the best ones actually come from so alhamdulillah it's good to um, hear, hear that perspective as well alhamdulillah so um you mentioned that you're studying so in malaysia because islam is widely practiced i take it i'm assuming that the niqab is something it's it's okay to study with it in universities and things like that do you have any issues there um so far i have no issues with um since i've only started wearing this recently so um and i'm learning online so i didn't exactly have issues with uh, wearing the niqab mm -hmm. while studying yeah alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah so how long have you been wearing the niqab it's actually fairly recent only um this year in may okay okay alhamdulillah may allah keep you steadfast i mean mashallah alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah. And in that, in that time, would you say that you've experienced any kind of abuse for wearing the niqab at all? Alhamdulillah, so far, uh, I, I've i never experienced um, abuse. Hopefully, no, never, <laughs> hopefully. Sure. But um, Alhamdulillah, people, people um, they were curious. They, they, you know, they stared, they looked, and then they looked twice. But then, um, but then they were they were nice. They they didn't like um you know hurl abuse at me or anything, but I think um the obstacles come within myself. Even though I made the decision to wear the niqab, but sometimes I noticed that I was talking um 
to people who are not exactly supportive of me wearing the niqab i was talking to, about the niqab mm-hmm. um a bit degradingly like i was saying about the niqab i was quoting like it, this piece of cloth you know and once the word uh left my mouth i felt like why did i say that you know mm. um yeah i need i needed to work on that part of myself and another thing i noticed is that um I am hosting uh, episodes for for the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get guests who are uh, from Western countries or people who are not Muslims. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I noticed I was having these self doubts that, you know, what if they, um, what would they perceive of me wearing the niqab? You know, I was having these kind of thoughts. So the challenges are coming from within myself rather than pe- from people itself. Okay, so you found that obviously it's your you're having some you know kind of um maybe negative perceptions, thinking that people will see you in a negative light because of the nakab, but you found that once you are in those situations that you don't have any issues coming from other people at all yeah i it was just in my thoughts alhamdulillah it didn't really happen in real life alhamdulillah it just goes to show how the shaitan he can really try to make us doubt ourselves and our abilities to prevent us from doing things that you know we could be or should be doing you know because this is one of the um, things like if shaitan can't make you commit sins he will do like he he will like whisper doubts to you to prevent you from getting extra reward for um you know for doing things that you you know you could be doing subhanallah so um so let's talk a little bit about this um you know podcast that you host uh, we we had a little chat earlier on before we started recording but just so the listeners can um um, you know what know what this podcast is about you said it's called museum of voices so how did that come about Okay, so Museum of Voices actually um, came during the early period of COVID, uh, you know, because we are all stuck at home and I wanted to do something out of sheer curiosity and uh, I wanted to push myself out of my comfort zone because I am the kind of person who is shy and awkward and when you are hosting episodes on podcasts usually the people be outgoing right and they would know what to ask the guests so I wanted to just push myself um, from my comfort zone and it seemed the project has lasted longer than I expected surprisingly um, it previously was known as something else it was it's, it was called the Shida Effect podcast but now because I feel like it's it doesn't belong to me alone mm-hmm. it belongs to the people um, who have guested on the sh- on the show and also the people who who listens to it, so I changed the name to Museum of Voices because um, the the people who were guests on the podcast they were they were not celebrities they were not influencers they're just your day to day people who come in to talk about their stories um, you know so they are people from all walks of, walks of life. Um, they are, you know, non-Muslims. They are also Muslims. They are old. They are young. Um, they are expiring writers. Um, so these stories, it what I feel like reminds us the purpose of being human. I feel mm-hmm. so. I'd like to think that that it's a platform uh, as like an audio archive for the future generation because the stories they are preserved um, digitally, and even mm-hmm. when we die, the stories remain the same, and the people from the mm-hmm. future generation can. Tap in and tune in. Yes, so I think it's really cool. That's really interesting, especially from um, you know, being a Muslim and having a podcast where you also talk with non-Muslims. So what I would like to ask is, how do you 
come across or how do you select um, guests for your podcast? How do you meet people that you're going to interview? Um, initially, I would interview my friends. Right. Uh, but then as, as the podcast grew, I uh, registered on this um, website called Matchmaker. Right. From there, it's, it, it works like a dating uh, website. It's, so it's really interesting. You can... You can um, you can message the person that you are interested to uh, have an interview with. Um, you can have a look at their profile. What what are they offering? And they can also come to shows that they are interested to guest on. So it's uh, it works like that. So it's really interesting. But it's not a dating website, right? <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, for, <laughs> it's for our podcast hosts and also um, for guests to find each other. Something like that's, that. that's really interesting. I didn't know there was such a thing, to be honest. Mashallah, this is really <laughs> okay. Okay, so it's called Match. It does sound like a dating website, there, Matchmaker. Okay, is that um, yeah. is, is that a, a site that's is that based in uh, Malaysia or is it um just like which, which base, which country base is that website? Do you know? Um, I think it's based in the US or Canada, okay. something like that, but but oh. definitely not from Malaysia. Yeah. Right, okay, well, yeah, I might, I might have to have a look at that out of curiosity to see what that's about. It sounds very interesting because I didn't know there was such a thing. Okay, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because obviously for, for, the, for my podcast, the process has been quite different. I usually um, find sisters or come across sisters on Instagram or LinkedIn, sometimes Facebook mm-hmm. as well. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Okay, so what for you makes... Um, or what do you feel is going to be like criteria that's going to make an interesting story that you would reach out to somebody, for example, and say, well, invite them and say, oh, well, you know, I'd like to hear your story. I would personally choose something um, that is uh, mundane. I, I, I honestly, I honestly speaking, I didn't exactly have a specific criteria for choosing my guests I would just select any anyone whose story is as mundane as possible because I I was I am really interested in people's stories so any kind of stories like for example my recent guest was um he was talking he's a uh uh I think I would say he's in his late 70s he's and his late 70s uh, he's a white man, American background, and he's the kind of person I wouldn't usually encounter on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And he wants to talk about he wanted to talk about um his adventure on a cruise ship during COVID, and I think that's really interesting. Even though it's something that is regular for him, it's not really something that is regular for me or even my listeners. Uh, you know, most of them from Malaysian background. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that's um something interesting for uh you know, to be put inside the podcast and for my listeners to tune in. Okay, yeah. alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. That definitely is interesting. So uh, the, the white man in his, in his 70s. Okay, alhamdulillah. So, um, okay, so as a Muslim now, you, you say, obviously, you talk with non-Muslims, even like males as well sometimes. So, you know, because people will be listening to this, so, and you're an Akabi as well, right? How, um, how can I say this? You know, when you're interviewing people, are your interviews live or are they pre-recorded? Because obviously, then, as a Muslim, and you said that, you know, with our podcast, we're do- we're putting out things which, inshallah, after we die, they're going to be left here. Mm-hmm. So, from the aspect of, for example, um, our good deeds and things like that, and leaving a legacy for ourselves, inshallah, we want to increase our good deeds still while we're in our graves. 
how do you kind of um you know how do you how do you do your kind of filtering process to make sure that you know people yeah obviously people they can be non-muslim and they're sharing their stories but there might be some things for example which are un-islamic or um you know that basically contradicts or go against islam how do you kind of filter out those things so that you're not putting out something which is you know contrary to islamic beliefs Okay, so um, since I started the podcast before I started um, wearing the niqab, mm-hmm. and so some of the content previously might not be so Islamic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually working on getting the content more uh, Islamic friendly, and I'm looking to um, make it more something that I can, like I said, like um, something that can be a reward for me in the hereafter and and since it will be staying here for quite a long time so i'm actually looking for it to be more muslim centric and i'm working on it trying to figure out how i can make it more uh, a people's stories but from um you know with some kind of islamic experience yes i'm looking to that hmm, it's still in um, the thought process but I'm not exactly sure how to execute that yet yes because like even like obviously it's not even just non-muslims specifically but even sometimes we do meet non-muslims um, we meet muslims themselves for example who might not be that practicing and um, you know mm-hmm. this is something that I've been thinking about myself because with um, the Dakabi Diaries podcast a, a lot of the episodes have been voice only and um, recently since mm-hmm. um, the end of um, season two I've been having more like, you know, that's when I first started doing the video um, episodes and uh, season three's had the most video episodes so far. And alhamdulillah, I'm comfortable with it. I still do prefer voice, like personally, because it's just, it's easier. Um, but the uh, at the same time, um, you know, you, like it's something that I have to think about. If I want to interview a sister, for example, maybe she doesn't wear the niqab because I have another podcast which is um, called By the Pen. I don't know if you've heard of that, but that's an author's podcast. So I interview um, Muslim authors, mm-hmm. Muslim authors. So sometimes there are sisters, for example, who they don't wear the hijab or they wear the hijab, but maybe it's, you know, still not perhaps fulfilling like the, you know, complete criteria for the hijab as well. So these kind of things, you know, it makes me like think a lot like, consciously because you know we're trying to as much as possible you know think about our afterlife as well with whatever we do so it's good that Hamza you're thinking about um, these things mashallah yeah so alhamdulillah it's it's nice to talk about these kind of work things because it's not often that I get to speak to another sister who has her own podcast and especially one who is got it's got it you've got it very broad because you've got it that you're talking about people's stories in general and of course everybody has a story that they want to you know that they have like the story of their lives basically so it's it's Marshall, it's really interesting and um i think from from your aspect it might be quite it's, it's there's there's comes with its challenges as well isn't it yeah yeah subhanallah what about working and things like that have you do you have any kind of job or anything um currently i'm uh, working as a teacher um and uh, wearing the niqab at at school, right? I I wasn't okay since I started working at the school. I wasn't wearing it, but since it's pandemic, we are all wearing masks. So ironically, even if I am not allowed to wear the niqab at work, I'm still having some kind of niqab, which is the mask, um, covering a portion of my face. So it's it's really 
really helpful for me yeah alhamdulillah so um you said you work as a teacher so which like who are you teaching exactly is it adults is it children uh, I'm teaching uh, primary students. Okay, um, yeah, primary students. Mashallah, mm-hmm. that's that's nice. Um, so, and, and in in your experience, um, coming back to what we mentioned before, that you know, you said you've been wearing the niqab for a few months now, and your and with yourself, when you're interviewing people, you've kind of had this, you know, kind of um, maybe some type of anxiety almost that you feel you feel like people who are not from Muslim backgrounds maybe they will perceive you like in a negative way because of the niqab um, would you say that you've had um, any experience where you feel that sisters who wear the hijab get treated differently from sisters who wear the niqab um, I think I think so sometimes I do see that I think um yeah, but I think it depends on the individuals uh, itself uh, themselves because uh, we cannot really generalize the um, what people think, right? But um, for me, I think it really depends on the individual. Like sometimes the Nakobi feels um, like the hijabis think that the Nakabis are looking at them um, differently and I feel that this is so um, uh, very divisive because um, we are all Muslims right we are supposed to support each other As sisters it, we are still standing together we shouldn't let that divide us that's how I feel because I have the experience of wearing the hijab without the niqab and also wearing the niqab with you know wearing the hijab with the niqab so I think I kind of understand um, both sides. Absolutely, absolutely. And on that note, would you say that the niqab was a barrier? And if so, in which sense? Um, even though I've only been wearing it for uh, several months, I, I I don't think so because I I like to think of it. I treat of it as part of my body. Um, and I feel when I do so, even though... I noticed that when some people are trying to talk to me, they they have this uncertainty, um, how to address me, how to treat me, and but then when I'm confident with the niqab, when I'm you know I was thinking to myself the, the niqab is a part of me, and and I accepted it within myself. I noticed that they are also gradually accepting it um, as a part of me, and it's interesting to see that they are treating you based on your personalities instead of like you know your physical looks exactly yeah exactly alhamdulillah i think a lot of sisters um see that as well when they start when they it makes a, a big difference yes subhanallah so um what um have you have you met any other sisters who work on a car for example where you live and would you say you've ever encountered sisters who are forced um to wear the niqab i've Definitely, I've met. Even though I I didn't exactly have a large circle of um, uh, friends who wear the niqab, but I I do encounter some sisters who wear the niqab and some sisters who just recently wear the niqab, and I couldn't help feeling, you know, like wow, it's amazing how she managed to take that step to start wearing the, the niqab. Um, but then, um, generally, I don't think um the niqab is compulsory among uh, the Muslims in Malaysia 
but it's different for hijab like it's it's you you hear more regular stories of um, women being forced to wear the hijab but niqab it's quite rare to hear okay mashallah okay so um and what about sisters who for example like yourself previously you wanted to wear the niqab um i mean nobody really stopped you from wearing it but because of the um kind of you know high kind of status that your family was giving it do you think that there's other sisters who would like to wear the niqab as well but that you know maybe they're um you know not allowed to wear it because you know their family is restricting them and telling them that they shouldn't for certain reasons yeah actually i do know a few sisters who are like that but uh instead of the people around them who who are you know um restricting them from wearing the niqab but it's themselves they since a lot of people here in this country they 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 regard the niqab as something that is you know of a high standing so these women right they they want to wear the niqab but they feel like they're they're not befitting to wear it because they're not pious enough they're not um, islamic enough so you know in the end they, they didn't wear the niqab and sometimes they don't wear the hijab properly because they think they they you know it's they don't deserve to yeah, subhanAllah. Actually, I didn't ask you if you've had any experience traveling with the niqab at all. You said you've only been wearing it since May. So have you done any traveling at all with the niqab? Uh, no. Yeah, uh, so far I haven't uh, I haven't been traveling to the airport. So I'm actually curious on, you know, how I would face the situation. Yeah. Okay, inshallah. Inshallah, I hope, inshallah, it will be a lot make easy for you. I mean... Um, mm -hmm. Should that should that um, time happen? So, um, what would you advise other sisters like yourself who would like to wear the niqab but they don't feel the confidence to wear it? Because earlier when we was talking and you mentioned that you're quite a shy person as well. So, um, you know, on, like from that perspective, what would you advise other sisters? I think um, many sisters uh, on this podcast as well. I, I think uh, they they would recommend that you really think through your intention of why you want to wear it. Sometimes I notice that um, some sisters, they want to wear the niqab for uh, fashion purposes, but I really would recommend to, for, you, for the sisters who want to wear the niqab um, to really think their intention and to really have this strong conviction and certitude of, um, of doing it for Allah's sake and really do the research and readings and, and and you know you are not alone in this. You you can reach out to sisters who wear the niqab and ask for their opinions, and they will they will actually give you the support that you need it. And in my case, I actually watched since I I didn't have that many um, uh, people that I can reach out to. So I I watch YouTube videos. Um, uh, you know, like the Nikabi next door, the sister, uh, sister Nikabi next door, and some other videos on YouTube, and also listen to your podcast, Sister Samar. And I find that it really helps a lot, and it really motivates me to to start wearing the Nikab. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Barakallah, I'm glad that that Alhamdulillah the, the podcast is doing some inshallah and some benefit. Alhamdulillah. So, um, finally, Sister, what does the Nikab mean to you? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I since we are facing this, you know, uh, modernity issues and you know this hypersexualized society, I feel like I need to take um, some kind of step to preserve my modesty because 
uh, wearing the hijab itself is not enough, in my opinion. Uh, apart from that, I also see it as a form of worship for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I feel like it serves as a, like a reminder for me to um, consistently um, keep myself in check. Like I'm wearing this like as my parents you know, see it, it's the highest standing piece of cloth, you know, the niqab, so I need to really um, live up to the, to that, and it's, it's, I, I don't mind doing it, because it makes me be more closer to Allah, and I, I, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel pressured, because I know I'm doing this for his sake, yeah. Alhamdulillah, it's, it's nice that you mentioned that as well, because I think sometimes for sisters who, don't wear the niqab, um, you know, and they wear the hijab, they might say, well, you know, wearing the hijab itself should get you closer to Allah. And some, for some of them, they may feel that they don't think there's any difference because, you know, if you're already covering yourself, why do you need to go the extra step further and wear the niqab? So for you, um, you, you say that it helps you to get closer to Allah. So, and I, I think as well, for me as well, it's the same. I think for some sisters, we all have our different experiences and challenges and depending on our personalities as well, wearing the niqab itself can help. It can serve as a deterrent for you to make you think twice before doing certain things as well and protection, um, you know, because maybe without sure. the naqab and, and wearing the hijab, you still do certain things which may be questionable Islamically, um, but with the naqab, you just avoid those things altogether. Yeah, yeah definitely. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Barakallah sister. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate that you reached out to me. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah sister for accepting. <laughs> it's been really nice. And I'm afraid for that your podcast goes well and that inshallah you'll be able to, you know, improve it and it will be a legacy and um Sadaka Jariya for you, inshallah, um, in your grace. Inshallah. Thank you for your Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah, sister.